You are listening to the next Best Picture Podcast, and this is our review of Strong. Listen up. This young lady here is running the marathon for bringing a women's hospital. So skip around to Stella and donate to a good cause. I'm going to be there at the finish line for you. I'm going to make a big sign for you. doesn't show up for anything. <laughs> and then he shows up. There was an explosion, and your legs, they're gone, bro. Welcome home. Is it good to be back? <laughs> what are you doing? Uh, talking to you. What are you doing? Dancing. Wow. You're trying to make a hero out of me. You need to tell your family what's going on with you. Take my mom, take I can't do this. I can't, I can't, I can't do it. This is the first time you're in this week and you had three appointments. You just have to show up for Show once. up! I showed up for you! You remind me of my son. He died. Helping you made me feel like I helped my son. And for that, I am grateful. You're grateful. showed the world that they can't break us no matter what the hell they do. There was this time in the hospital when like, I just want to give up. And we'll rise up. Look at this! Boston strong. And now, I just want to live. I just want people to see how amazing my son is. I'm gonna walk, you know, I'm gonna walk with you again someday. Alright everyone, you were just listening to the trailer for Stronger, and the story is as follows. Jeff Bowman loses both of his legs when two bombs explode during the Boston Marathon on April 15, 2013. After regaining consciousness in the hospital, Jeff is able to help law enforcement identify one of the suspects, but his own battle is just beginning. With unwavering support from his family and girlfriend, Bauman embarks on a long and heroic journey to physical and emotional rehabilitation. The film is starring Jake Gyllenhaal, Tatiana Maslany, Miranda Richardson, and Clancy Brown. It is directed by David Gord Green and written by John Polano. Joining me for this review, I have Matthew Garrell. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. All right, so Matthew, uh, bonafide Oscar contender here, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal, should have gotten a nomination for Nightcrawler. He's been giving us consistently excellent performances over the last, geez, like decade pretty much at this point. And now we have Stronger. Yes or no, is Stronger the film that finally lands Jake Gyllenhaal that second Oscar nomination? I wouldn't be surprised if it does that. I mean, it's the exact sort of movie that is designed to get actors Oscar nominations. Now, obviously, we thought there was a strong shot for him in Nightcrawler, and that didn't pan out. So the Academy could surprise us, but it, like it would be something that I would root for anyway. Yeah, you know, so this film, I'll be honest. I mean, like people really, really are enjoying this movie, and they really like it a lot. 
I'm like, I like it on the surface. I think it works fine as a movie. And the performances are the reason to check this one out. And not just from Jake Gyllenhaal, uh, but also Tatiana Maslany and Miranda Richardson, who are both equally excellent in this movie as well. I agree. I, I was very stunned by Tatiana Maslany, especially. She's just rock solid throughout in terms of performance. She, she gets all the different shades from strength to weakness and everything in between. Guilt. Guilt, absolutely. I, I really like Miranda Richardson playing like the the mom who wants to... It, she is essentially taking advantage of her son's unintentional fame for her own benefit, but she doesn't really understand that. I actually... I was sort of reminded of Melissa Leo in The Fighter just a little bit, where it's that same sort of Boston mom that is just... you. You don't have to root against her because she's not exactly the best of people. But at the same time, you sort of get where she's coming from in terms of seeing a situation and wanting to improve her situation with it. Yeah, I totally get what you're saying with that. And that comparison is um, a good one to make there, too, because I'm going to apologize straight up right now to all the people that live in Boston that may be listening to us right now. But I'm getting really, really tired with the way Boston is being depicted in film. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do. I personally am not bothered by it. Just the constant cursing, like the the loud, obnoxious, oh, fuck you, you know, like that just constantly, it's like, it's annoying and I'm just tired of it. And every single movie that takes place in Boston, it's like The Departed started all of this pretty much. And now every film that's in Boston has to be, it. what movie did? Goodwill Hunting. Oh, Goodwill Hunting. Mm, yeah, no, that's that is true. Damn, you're right about that, I guess. Wow, we're going really far back. Okay, so Goodwill Hunting. You are to blame for uh, honestly at this point stereotyping the people of Boston because before that, Boston was just Boston. You know, it's never part of America. Now it's like this is like the only place in the world where it's just constant beer drinking, constant swearing, and delinquents left and right uh, that are just, you know, low-income families trying to get by. But man, oh man, it's like nobody can take a moment to just step out of their own ass and recognize the situation and what's going on. Like, Jeff Bauman is going through, internally, a very, very, very difficult uh transformation where he has to adjust his entire life and nobody other than Tatiana Maslany is stopping to ask him how are you feeling what's going on is everything okay instead there uh, just the behavior and the level to which they exploit him for their own benefit which I can understand I, I get it considering where the family is coming from and their social um, stature, I guess, within the community and so on and so forth. But it's just, I don't know. I just found it to be like, I, I don't, I didn't enjoy spending time with these people. Well, and I think, I, so I get what you're saying in terms of A, the, the Boston betrayal. I get that. It doesn't bother me so much, but I, I definitely get that. Um, the exploitation of the family, I, I definitely agree that it's, irritating in the sense that they're awful people but i know enough psychologically to say that that's not exactly an uncommon thing but then also 
I think they're partially there to help you sympathize further with Jeff and um, Aaron, the girlfriend, uh, a little bit by extension as well. Because you do feel sorry. For, I mean, you get the scene where he starts to have a breakdown at the, the Boston Bruins game, and it's just the two of them there, and you're really sympathizing, but then they also cut back to the family, and there's like, oh, cheering, Jeff, Jeff, yay, Jeff, this is going to go places. And it's like, yeah, you're. I think you're meant to dislike them because it allows you to cast more sympathy with the two people who you do like well, in this movie. Well, do we really like Jeff Ballman as, as he's portrayed in this movie, though? I do. Well, because to be honest, he, he's a fuck-up. And I mean, he admits it. There's that scene in the uh, the scene in the car uh, where I mean, it's in the trailer where he like shouts at her. I showed up for you. Like that scene is like really emotionally charged, really, really like raw and intense. And he admits to her that he's a fuck up. And that's that's really good that he recognizes that. But I was just. I, one of those things, once again, where it's like, get your head out of your ass. If you know that you're a fuck up, change and do something about it. And he, you know, spoiler alert, he does, you know, eventually, you know, make changes by the end of the film. But to me, it was like too too little too late, man. I, I'm sorry. Like, I don't know why this girl is sticking around for you other than the fact that she feels guilty that she partially uh, caused this for you in a way. Well, one, I think. I do sympathize more with him because while he is a screw-up, it often takes time for people to really recognize that and to, as you put it, get their head out of their ass. I mean, like, I, while I haven't dealt with PTSD, I have dealt with depression before. And when you're in that state, it, it all the, the encouragement and telling people or having people tell you to get over it just... It doesn't work that simply. It yeah, I mean, well, time. a lot of people don't understand depression. That's for sure. Yeah, well, and, and PTSD works the same way. It, it's not this this little thing of oh, just don't remember it, don't think about it. It's like no. Well, then the question is, why doesn't he actually tell anybody that he has the PTSD? How come he doesn't seek help? Why does he, you know, just take it on himself? If you know, and Erin recognizes it, she knows that he's going through something that's very, very difficult. Why doesn't he do anything about it? Because a lot of people feel shame over having these symptoms because they feel like they shouldn't. They feel like they should be stronger. I mean, you're talking uh, 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 pun. working class people. Yes, yes, haha. That was unintentional. Um, but anyway, like you get working class people or even just people in general who, when they are experiencing these symptoms, they don't want to admit it because there's still a stigma attached to it. We've gotten well, better Jeff over time. Jeff doesn't strike me as a type of person that has a tremendous amount of pride. That, yes, exactly. But if he, pride is not something you want to give up, when, especially when you've got the eyes of the world upon you and you're trying to be this symbol and you've been th- had, had unintentional fame thrust upon you. It, but he doesn't even seem like he wants it. He, and that's part of it, though, is that he can't deal with it because he's not capable of dealing with it because it's too difficult. OK. OK, that's fair. All right. Well, listen, we found common ground. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so moving moving off of that, then, because th- that is my, uh, believe it or not, my first criticism was the portrayal of Boston in this movie. My second criticism was um, the Jeff Bauman character and how he, you know, just mishandles this in, this entire situation, I, I personally felt like. Or maybe it's just the way it was portrayed on screen. I don't know. Um, I understand it's based on a true story, and they have to obey the true story. Now, I'm going to say that because my third criticism of the movie is... 
something to do with the fact that I'm just sick and tired of seeing the same freaking formula in all of these quote unquote inspirational handicap movies. Movies where a character starts off the movie normal, something terrible happens to them. Now they have to readjust and they become a figure of inspiration for everybody else. And the part of the reason that I am tired of this is because I'm not seeing anything new brought to the genre. You know, you know what would have made this movie a hell of a lot more interesting? And I know that this isn't the true story, like like I said. So, you know, this they'd have to totally rewrite the whole movie and not make it about this. It, it could have been like an original screenplay or something. But have Tatiana Maslany in the wheelchair. Let's see a movie for a change where it's the female who is the one that has to overcome this obstacle and still, still portray Jake Gyllenhaal as the fuck up boyfriend who has to still change. She's she's the strong one and she's the one who, despite her condition, is choosing the right path to take and is the one who's actually stronger, ugh, pun, and have him be the one that has to change from a place of, honestly, privilege at this point because he's got both of his legs. That would have been a far more interesting movie and unlike anything else I feel like I've seen. Otherwise, this movie checks off all the boxes and you know what I started to do? Other than the great performances, some solid direction from David Gordon Green, I just was like, yawn, yawn, I know where this is going, yawn. That's fair. I mean, I, I don't entirely agree with all that. I, I, I do get what you're saying and I somewhat agree that yes, it is becoming cliche and repetitive in terms of what you're going to get plot-wise. I think where it works for me is it overcomes some of that cliche by focusing on other aspects besides just overcoming disability. I, I think the dysfunctional family dynamics add to it a little bit. I think the bigger thing for me is how do you deal with unintentional fame especially when you're being pressured by your family, your friends, and quite frankly, a nation to try and be this symbol of hope and strength in a time of trouble. I don't know that we get that aspect quite as much in some of these now. I think the second point we do, I think with the community coming to him at the end and him taking the time to just simply meet these strangers who tell him that, you know, he helped save their lives and made them feel better uh, because, you know, of him just being out in the world and showing that the terrorists can't win and can't break them down. I thought that, you know, resolved itself very nicely. But the family aspect, I still left the movie thinking that that part of the movie was left unresolved. And I I, I thought that was a, a lot of drama for nothing, honestly. I don't know that it was unresolved because I think the fact that you get the scene, well, I guess towards the end, but he gets some news from Tatiana Maslany about something that's going to happen. And he event, he at first can't handle it, but he eventually comes around and figures it out. And I, I think that it doesn't resolve it as neatly as I would like necessarily, but I think there's at least some small level of resolution there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I can understand that. I, I fully, I fully get it. Um, Special effects in this movie were pretty on point. Um, I want to I want to say in regards to you know digitally erasing uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's legs, you know it's yes, a I agree. very physical performance by him. Uh, very physical. You know you could tell there are times where and he's he's not necessarily built 
like he has been in other movies. He's uh, he's definitely a little uh, trimmed down for this one. I I, I saw. Um, so I mean, it, mu- it definitely had to have been difficult in many regards for him. And ultimately, I think that is what will make people go, "Oh yeah, we're definitely going to give him a nomination for it because it's an emotional and it's a physical performance I, in the end." Yeah. Well, so I, one thing I would also say on the effects. I, I like that it doesn't cheapen out and like we'll show you the legs once or twice and then the rest of the time we'll just show him from the waist up so you don't have to see it. You're seeing the stumps a lot. Oh, yeah. Which means they have to do that a lot and it works very well every single time. Yeah, they, David Gordon Green does a really great job, a very great job, at showing how much pain this guy is in, especially initially in the beginning. Uh, you figure these are still very much open wounds that have to be extremely sore, hurt like a motherfucker. I mean, this movie has one of my top three favorite shots of the year so far. And it's the shot where, in the background, uh, the the camera's on an angle looking down. And in the background, you could see, uh, blurred, out of focus, um, Jeff's, what's left of Jeff's, Jeff's legs. And they're bandaged up. And in the foreground... Jeff's on the right side of the screen, Aaron's on the left side of the screen, and they're in focus, and they're just looking directly at each other. So they're pulling up the sides, the legs are in the middle, out of focus, and your your, your vision is constantly like moving left, right, and in the middle, and the doctors are removing the bandages off of uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's legs for the first time. And you see like the lights moving around, you see the hands uh, coming into the background, blurred out and removing the bandages and such, and Jake is looking at Aaron, and then when you see the motion of the bandages come off, you just see Jake just wince like in pain, and it's an extraordinary shot and a great piece of acting and uh, just a really, really wrench- wrenching moment. Um, it's moments like that that I-, I was very, very hooked into the movie. And once again, it all comes down to focusing on the performances and letting the performances drive the film. I absolutely agree. I, I, so speaking of that one shot, I also like how it's paired with the following shot where we pan down and we're now looking up from the bed and you can see the stumps and Hall's face clearly at the same time. And so you get both effects where it's obvious that the damage that's been done to his legs as well as the pain. That, and, and I think some of the more severe reactions of pain that he lets out to the point where it induces him to vomit because it's just so painful. And so I think those two things work together very well also. Yeah. What did you think of um, David Gordon Green's recreation of uh, the bombing uh, itself? I thought it was rather effective overall. I, I think not focusing so much on the bombing itself is probably the better scenario. It, it's It spends a few minutes at the bombing site and you get some flashbacks where you get we actually see the carnage that was unleashed and the makeup and the the flashback that Gyllenhaal has where he sees what's left of his legs before they've been all bandaged up and amputated and such is really effective oh yeah definitely it's a miracle that you know the guy doesn't bleed out honestly um it's a miracle that that sort of thing uh happens for anyone that loses a limb and, you know, manages to get help in time that their life is ultimately saved. Um, I thought he did a really, really great job at showcasing the dizziness, the chaos of it all. Uh, clearly, he's in a state of shock. And, I mean, it, it was it was heart-wrenching. I mean, 
there were multiple times in this movie. I, I counted, I think, three separate times where tears welled up in my eyes because the movie holds that kind of power. As much as I've stated criticisms about the film and you know flaws that I believe it has, um, this film still overall worked for me, which was like some sort of a miracle in itself because, man, I went into this movie expecting it to be... I, 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 I don't know. I guess maybe I don't, I don't know what I was expecting. But when I walked out, I walked out saying to myself, that was emotionally charged. It was raw. It was honest. It was powerful. I chalk it all up to David Gordon Green's steady direction and the performances overall. It's just the quality of the writing is is um, what really, really kind of kept me down a little bit. And a lot of it, once again, just has to do with, I feel like I've seen this film before. Uh, it's just different people. At the end of the day, well, and I think that's where, at least for me, the the emotional aspect that you mentioned kind of overcomes some of that. I mean, it, it is genuine when I'm sitting there experiencing tears watching this movie because I'm not one who generally cries at most movies. I am, but <laughs> uh, okay, I'm definitely not. So when I get multiple scenes in one movie that make me do that, I have to give it at least some credit because that's just that's not something that normally happens to me. You know, I totally understand that. Uh, let's move over to final thoughts. Great out of 10. Oscar potential. Garrel, take it away. So uh, I think the one thing that hasn't been mentioned that I found that I like is how it tones down a lot of the, the nationalism and jingoism of it's like, oh, let, we can't. Let the, I mean, it mentions that we can't let the terrorists win and all that, but it's very, very minor. It's not one of those things where it's all about oh, we have to show how strong we are because we can't let the terrorists win. It's more a human-centered story on just the day-to-day difficulties of someone dealing with PTSD, dealing with physical disability, dealing with dysfunctional family, having fame thrust upon him, whether he likes it or not. And so I, I liked that it wasn't all just, oh, America, rah, rah, rah. It's a great companion piece with Patriots Day, I think, to see the two different sides of the event. Well, we've discussed that I'm not a fan of Patriots Day, so I'm not going to touch that one. Oh, I loved Patriots Day. Um, okay, that's Patriots fair enough. Day. I mean, you do have to agree, though, you know, in the sense that, you know, two films dealing with opposite sides, though, of this event. You know, one showing the police side, the other one showing the humanistic side of uh, the victims and, you know, what they ultimately had to go through. Yeah, there's just some writing issues with Patriots Day that bother me quite a bit. Wow, we're we're doing like a flip flop here between the two films. That's uh that's kind of a uh, that's very interesting. Okay, all right. <laughs> Anything else you want to touch upon, or? Um, I, I think that's the main thing. We we've covered a lot of the the strong points for me. Stronger points, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> that pun is just never going to go no, away. No, it's not. I'm, I'm going to have to like write an article at some point on the site like, Jake Gyllenhaal is looking stronger for the Oscar every day. <laughs> and then Gary Oldman comes in. And those yeah, right. Are Gary Oldman's like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> like, <laughs> I, 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 I think Jake Gyllenhaal is going to be a solid uh, number two, number three, uh, the whole season long. He's not going to win... Uh, any major awards. He's going to be a part of every single conversation, I feel like. I think he'll be at every single show. And ultimately, I think he's going the whole way to that second Oscar nomination. If he manages to deliver a performance next year that is just better than this, I don't even know if like that's possible, but maybe something on the level of a Nightcrawler again, I think that the momentum 
is what gives him uh, the win. Then again, it, it took Leonardo DiCaprio until age 40 to win the Oscar. Jake Gyllenhaal is 36. And here's another thing, too, about the performance, actually, now that I'm talking about age. Jake Gyllenhaal plays a 28-year-old convincingly well. Well, I think a lot of it also has to do with he gets... I think he looks older than 28, but because of the situation that he finds himself in, the haggard nature of his face kind of masks that a little bit. But it's more of the behavior, the way he talks, the way he carries himself. I mean, Jake Gyllenhaal has proven that when he commits to a character, it's not just... Jake Gyllenhaal on screen playing a uh, playing a character like somebody like George Clooney. Jake Gyllenhaal really becomes the character to every single minute detail. And I don't know if it, I mean maybe you didn't feel this way, but I looked at him and I said, "Man, clean shaven and just the way he's kind of like looking in this movie and everything, he still has those young boyish looks." Yeah, yeah, I, I could believe it. I could believe he was twenty eight years old. <laughs> yeah, I, I can see that. Yeah. So, uh, Oscar potential. Um, I think best actor for Gyllenhaal and uh, supporting actress for Maslany. You think Maslany could really go all the way? I think she's got decent potential. I mean, it, because of the type of movie that's, it's, that it, this is in, the, the performance that she gives because of the so many different layers that she has to get, she has those powerful sort of emotional scenes that you would expect from something like that. So I, I think there's a decent chance. Yeah, I walked out of my screening and there were people who were saying that, that they were more surprised and actually taken by Maslany's performance more so than Gyllenhaal's. I don't know if that's because Hall was more of like a granted, like we went in knowing he was going to be great. We didn't know how good Maslany was going to be. And to see truly that she is remarkable in this. Um, I think after winning the Emmy and being a television actress for so long, this could be like her coming out party in Hollywood movies in a way. And if the Academy wants to go there with a first round nomination for her, uh, you know, first time and supporting actress, I'm not opposed to it whatsoever. I think the category is at a point where it is weak enough that she probably sits at number five, number six for me. So I could totally see it happening. Um, I think those two are the film's only chances. Probably. I I just don't think the, the makeup or the effects are going to be good enough to warrant something like that. No, I, I don't see directing. I can't see screenplay. I, I don't see picture happening. No. I think I think it's the two performances or just Gyllenhaal. Um, there's no way Gyllenhaal misses, though. Sure. Uh, great out of 10. 7 out of 10, I think. I think there, there's enough good stuff in there to warrant a fairly good review, but... There's some of the cliche stuff, as you mentioned, that does hold it back a little bit. But I think the emotion and the performances and the direction and the effects and makeup add up to a fairly decent review. Yep. Uh, I'm kind of with you on that as well. I mean, I think maybe I should see it again uh, just to see if I go up on it a little bit. I don't think I would go down on it. I'm at a 6 out of 10 on this one. I think uh, my issues with this movie may be stuff that's boiling over from other films that have just kind of culminated with seeing this one and like i said and that's just a way boston just continuously gets portrayed within film as well as uh these stories of quote-unquote inspiration 
and how much they just seem to check off the same story beats all the time. And I just feel like, you know, I always walk into these movies knowing what to expect and I get exactly what I expected. And I'm just waiting for something different. I want something to just come around. And I want Hollywood to just be bold and daring with this. I guess I guess we could call it a genre at this point. Um just give me give me a very unique movie that deals with uh, PTSD or someone in a wheelchair or you know whatever an illness something. Just give me some, give me something a little bit more, just a little bit more. The performances and the writing, uh, in parts, the direction. I mean, David Gordon Green. I, I think this is this is his best directorial effort. Actually, I was very very surprised with how well this movie flowed and how well he handled. A lot of the, a lot of, a lot of the scenes, especially the emotional scenes, he helped give them a very, very dynamic feel, and he really did his best to concentrate on the performances and let those drive the story overall. So even though he won't get any Oscar consideration for it, I really do commend him for it in the end. So six out of ten for me for now. And Matthew Garrow, where can they find you on the internet? I am at NovaMG7 on Twitter, and I am a reviews and podcast contributor for Next Best Picture. And you can find me at Next Best Picture on all of the social media networks. Be sure to listen to us and subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, and CastBox. If you like this podcast, you like what we have to say, and you want to give us some feedback, be sure to do so at Apple Podcasts, where you can leave us a five-star review and literally nothing else other than a five-star review. Believe me, I mean, the option is there. Just don't do it. And with that said, thank you so much for listening. We will see you all next time. Welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.